Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Monday, October 17th. Happy National Bosses Day to all the badass bosses out there. You keep doing you. We've got a great show today for all our listeners because joining me right now is Katie Ellers, owner of Lux Travel Katie, an affiliate of Classic Travel Connection. Welcome to the show, Katie. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Katie. I am originally from Alabama where Classic Travel Connection is located, but I have now been on Long Island in New York for the past four and a half years almost. Um, I've been in the industry a little over 10 years and man, that has gone by really quickly. And especially since the last two plus years we've been dealing with COVID, but um, travel and making clients happy is my absolute passion. And I am glad to talk to you guys today. Love it. Yes. Thank you so much for joining, Katie. Katie and I actually met at La Casa de la Playa, the Trav Forum event there that we held there. And uh, you actually have some in, uh, some clients scheduled to stay at the luxury all-inclusive resort coming up. You got a nice commission, I presume, there, huh? Everything going well? Absolutely. Um, they actually arrive tomorrow as honeymooners, so they are super excited. Their experience at the resort is going to be amazing. I can't wait to hear about it because they are just going to be wowed. The staff has been amazing um, preparing for their arrival, and I love that property. Me too. That is one of the best in all-inclusive space, and they're relatively new too. So jump on that if you have not experienced it yet, or you're having sent any clients there. I, I, I think that they will. I think that they'll love it, right, Katie? Absolutely. There's no way. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Katie and I are going to discuss the world of fees in travel and all that associated with that from the travel advisor side of charging fees and why consumers should pay a fee for a travel advisor service and our all favorite uh, parking fees and resort free fees that are out there. So much on that later. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with some cruise news. The global cruise market size is expected to reach $15 billion by 2028, according to a new report from Grand View Research Incorporated. I actually just got that press release like an hour before recording here. And then according to um, Cruise Lines International Association, Gen Z is likely to become the largest consumer of the cruise industry, outpacing millennials. I guess I can't say I'm too surprised by that. They're um, fast growing, and I feel like they've been cruising younger compared to the other generations out there. And that leans us into our, our next piece of cruise news, a family vacation request for cruising are, is growing at a huge rate, according to online cruise marketplace Cruise Compete, saying that their booking requests have recently risen by a staggering 285%. So big interest in cruising there. And on the cruise news side, Royal Caribbean announced last week that they're going to open the world's first zero energy cruise terminal. It's expected to open November 9th in Galveston, Texas, and it will be the first cruise terminal to generate all of its energy using on-site renewable energy production. So shout out to solar panels there, right? Doing the work. So also Bahamas uh, said they're going to have a new cruise port in development, Calypso Cove, which will be developed by Azul Destinations will include a port area that can accommodate up to two Oasis-class Royal Caribbean ships and with a capacity to welcome 13,000 cruise passengers daily, along with a marina for mega yachts, a 200-room hotel, 18-hole golf course, water park, casino, and more. So construction is scheduled to begin on that at the end of 2023 or early 2024. So Katie, things looking up for the cruise industry a lot there that I just kind of dove into, but positive signs ahead. And you actually have an interesting story with cruising because you never cruised before the pandemic and you only recently took your first one, but you're going to go cruise again. So obviously that means you're a fan of it in some capacity. So why did you never cruise before the pandemic and what changed your mind to start doing it now? Well, funny enough, um, yes, it is definitely coming back with a vengeance. Like 
once the restrictions are dropped, everybody is ready to get out of the country, but also cruising is really making a comeback. I personally was, it's kind of a funny and embarrassing story, but I was really scared I was going to get seasick. So I just never cruised. I didn't really have a opportunity that jumped out at me. And um, funny enough, at Future Leaders in Travel last year, I met with Steve and he said, are you vaccinated? I said, well, I just got over it. So I'm about to be. And he said, if you can be vaccinated by this day, I would love for you to experience Seaborn. And so I was able actually a year ago today, I disembarked in Barbados and I was able to sail on Seaborn and it wowed me. Did It was a little bit rocky and rough and whatever, but I was able to overcome it. And just the level of luxury Seaborn offers and then just the different ports and getting to be in a different place every day really was cool. So, um, yeah. And then I was able to go beginning of August with my family and I will be setting sail with Virgin on November 6th. I'm re- I re- really enjoy it. I can see the perspective of liking an all-inclusive or a destination versus cruising, but I mean, that just broadens my horizons. Yeah. It's just interesting that, you know, your first one was Seaborn too, because that that's a great <laughs> one to get on first for first time. You know, that's a different experience. Yeah and a lot of other but but being you know a fear of seasick is perfectly normal that was my fear of that and just the massive quantity of people and that's why i never really cruised before i got into the travel industry and then i had to cruise for work and was very very nervous about it Uh, i think it eased my expectations a little bit because i'd done a river cruise first for work before i did that massive ocean cruise and i love cruising in both capacities i'm more of a river cruise guy than i am ocean side but i do enjoy both and i understand that that, that fear is, is huge out there for a lot of people. They don't want to get sick on board and they don't want to be near other sick people. But I mean, you're a prime example of, you know, you'd travel, you got to overcome your fear sometimes and, and, and it'll wow you. Yep. That's right. The outcome is worth it. <laughs> Definitely. Podcast at travelpulse.com. That's the email. Let me know if you have never cruised before, or if you are a huge big time cruiser and what your thoughts on some of these most recent news developments are. I'm pretty excited about that uh, zero energy cruise terminal um, that Royal Caribbean is developing. I don't know that others will really follow suit quickly enough. I mean, that that sort of uh, side of things on the whole sustainability and like that's a lot of that stuff takes time and it's a lot of money too to develop on those things. So fingers crossed that, you know, they'll continue to work on an industry shift on that, but time will tell on that one. So Jumping over to air travel news, though, the Bureau of Labor Statistics Consumer Price Index recently showed that airfares rose over 40% in September compared to the same month in 2021, the fastest rate on record, and it's about to get even worse as holiday airfares could reach record highs due to inflation as well as supply and demand. So, Katie, you know, you're in the thick of this with clients, I'm sure. So how are you handling airfares pricing hikes with clients these days? What are you how are you combating that? What are you hearing from them? Do some even care? Uh, that's the funny thing is, um, like say one out of 10, I've had people be like, ah, that price is a little too high for me. But for the most part, people are still booking. They are ready to spend the money. They are ready to get out there. They're ready to do those big trips with their family because they haven't been able to for the last two and a half years. So really in the grand scheme of things, it hasn't really been an issue. Of course, I want it the best for them for it to come back down a little bit. But, you know, if if people are paying it, the airlines are going to still charge it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, we're we're seeing big demand on that. And actually, Sunday set a record for passenger totals. The U.S. screened 2.49 million air passengers on Sunday, the highest since February of 2020. So despite all these price hikes, people are still booking, as you said, and with that, you know, it makes me a little worried for 2023. Like, I, I was, it's going to come down a bit. Obviously, the inflation is is really taking a toll on that stuff right now. And you, but you got to hope at least that like 2023 things will look a little better, right? I mean, they're not going to be that greedy where they're like, well, hey, people people still paid now. 
let's charge even more. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I hope so. I hope it comes back down a little bit because people are again they're you know they're traveling big in 2021, 2022. They're still wanting to do it in 2023. So I hope that that does come back down a little bit. Yes, time will tell on that. But for the holidays, you are SOL a little bit if you have not booked anything yet and didn't get on that. I, you say that. I just booked people to Munich and they paid the price. They were ready. They're yeah. going for five days, but you know, that's yeah. that was that's a, a pretty penny. I'm sure that they dropped on tickets for that, but unless they found some sort of, you know, if you, you there are some deals to be had, but I think you got to be a little spontaneous on that if you're going to, you know, just go by the deal of uh, like a Scotch cheap flights or whatever. They send out emails of, of flight deals, but you know, if you if you know where you want to go and you want to go now and you you haven't booked anything yet, you're going to be you're going to be paying a little bit there. And you might be uncomfortable with the seating. And as I am on airplane seats, I know I'm not alone on that. We had two stories that came out around airplane seating in the last week. Flyersrights.org. They're asking the FAA to speed up the process to increase the size of airline seats, citing concerns over passenger safety and comfort. The group is petitioning the government to establish minimum standards for seat sizes by July of 2023, saying that half of the adult population in the U.S. can no longer reasonably fit into most airline seats. And Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer wants travelers to complain to the FAA about the smaller airplane seats. And Chuck is concerned that the FAA officials will approve a proposal from the airlines right now to them to make a minimum approved size of seats on commercial planes even smaller, making passengers even more congested while in flight. You have until November 1st to get those complaints in if that's going to bother you or if you have a strong feeling on that. I mean, Katie, I, I think airplane seats, they need a redo. We're all too crammed. Just give us a little bit more space. I'm okay paying a little bit more on my ticket price if I know that I'm going to not be crammed in a, such a tight space. How likely do you think any of this is to happen for a change in seats, either larger, larger or smaller? As much as I would love for it to change in the larger aspect, I don't know that it will. I don't know that they can make it much smaller than it is either, because I mean, I'm only five foot tall and I'm still crammed. You know, if it's a shorter flight, that's one thing. But, you know, I, again, I'm willing to pay to have a little bit more room and a little bit more comfort. Um, I don't know if I could see either of those happening realistically, but um, obviously we want comfort. Right. Yeah. The the seats, um, the concern over that from what the senator's office said that people with disabilities and passengers with children would have a tougher time if the seat size were reduced, which have already dropped from 35 inches wide to 31 inches since the 1970s and with declining from 18 and a half inches to about 17 inches. So, yeah, any shorter on that and we're all going to go crazy on board. So let's let's not have any of that. But uh, I, I love would love to see the bigger seats. But, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I just don't think that it's ever going to happen. So wishful thinking out there. If you think differently, you know, podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. Let me know your thoughts on that stuff. So one final thing here as we wrap up what was trending in the last week, there's been a lot of news, but I did want to mention, I did want to get this out because it's just kind of a fun one. Um, psychology is suggesting that spontaneous travel trend increases happiness. We got new data from Skyscanner revealed that more than half of American respondents that have booked trips to destinations they know nothing about. And then over half of the U.S. participants in their survey have actually arrived at the airport with no destination in mind. What are your thoughts there, Katie? Could you do that? Do you have clients that would, do you know people that would do that? Would I don't know if I could, but. I don't know. I don't know that I've had anybody, I definitely have not had anybody just want to go to the airport and just pick a place. But spontaneity, yeah, yeah, it's really been crazy. Like I said, I've been booking a lot of last minute, like, hey, we want to go somewhere Thanksgiving week. Can you get us somewhere? And um, so I think people are 
a lot on both sides. People are like really adamant about where they want to go, but also really flexible about where they want to go just because they want to see new things, experience new things. Everything this year has been all about experiences and I think it will continue. I love that. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, the spontaneity of it all. I wish I had more flexibility in that. Obviously, you know, a few years ago, I probably did. And that's not to blame. You know, I have a two-year-old, so that's just going to be harder. And my wife is pregnant. There's nothing on that. My job is crazy and everything. I'm, but, you know, when the kids get a little bit older, I'm, I definitely want to get back into that of like, hey, let's go somewhere. You know, it's Thursday night. Let's pick something and we're going to hit the road for a little weekend getaway or some things like that. That's I know that that's in my future and that excites me for sure. So I wish... Uh, other people would would jump on the spontaneous travel aspect of it because it is it is exciting. It, you know, travel is good for the soul. It's good for your mental health, and you know, try to get out as much as you can is what I always say. Absolutely. So that wraps up what has been trending in the world of travel in the last week. As I said, a lot of news that we didn't get to touch on. So head over to travelpulse.com for all your travel news and needs. Any additional thoughts on what we discussed here? Anything we missed? Drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. Now we're going to jump over to our theme of the week on fees in the travel space and Katie, I've got it. We're going to start right away with advisors charging fees. You have a good story here. You did not charge fees for the longest time, which is kind of standard for a lot of travel advisors out there. So for my consumer listeners out there, some travel advisors do pay, do charge fees for their services. Others do not. And you, they only make their money off the commissions. So now we're starting to see a bit more of a rise in travel advisors charging fees out there. So Katie, why did you start out not charging fees? What was your thoughts there back in the day? And what made you make the switch to charging fees now? Well, shout out on Boss's Day. Uh, Kristen Perry is a very big advocate on charging fees and who has in turn made me very comfortable with it. Um, but I started out so long ago that, you know, everyone offered free services, complimentary. That was what we advertised on our websites was free, 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 trying to attract clients. And in that sense, many can probably relate to this. You spend a lot of your time and your energy and your passion, you know, working for free. And then in turn, you see those people out on Facebook and they've gone and booked it themselves or they found it cheaper on Expedia. And it, it really does get to the feelings part of it. Um, it was a very natural move into charging fees after COVID happened because our agency in particular, we stayed into a weekly Zoom call ever since that first, well, we maybe gave us a, a two week break, but we kept up to date on everything that was going on in COVID, everything that was changing. We were constantly communicating that within our team and we were able to really like present ourselves as like a real true professional and partnering with us because we had all this knowledge back at the beginning of 2020. 21 I started charging fees gosh that seems like so long ago now um but I just it it took a long time to get comfortable talking about it and to get comfortable in your own worth but we are professionals we are spending so much time like diving into properties and taking our own expenses or our own funds and visiting these places so that we know for our clients so it just it was a very easy switch and I am glad that I'm doing that now I love it. Yeah, I, I got to know, you know, put yourself out there. And if you're not charging fees, and it's a, it's a big step, you know, because a lot of people are familiar with you not charging fees. So that is, you know, conversations that you have to navigate for sure. So why do you think other advisors should make this switch? And what do you think, which you alluded on already, but what do you think that they need to get going on this? You know, how, how do they set a price point for this stuff? What are, what are uh, quick ways to, you know, get into that 
field of uh, how should they start? So I, the way that I started very quickly, I found out that I was able to change this, but I started out just kind of speaking about it. And then, you know, telling these were return clients, let's say. And I said, my business model has changed post COVID and this is what it is. I'd love to set up a complimentary consultation call with you get them on the phone, talk to them, get them on a Zoom and really explain, you know, what this partnership means between the client and myself. Not just, hey, I'm going to search. I'm going to send you a couple of prices. It really has become an extensive um, partnership now. I'm sending out visual proposals. I'm There's mo- much more worth into what I'm giving my clients now. And creating that partnership means they're agreeing to work with us. But I was waiving the fees for a little bit until I realized how many times people were going, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. You deserve that. You deserve this. Um, and then I transitioned over to a, I think I started about 150, the amount of people that were just pay, pay, pay. And then I was able to up it depending on the extensiveness of the trip and the customization of it. But um, really, you know, it is a personal choice because there are still a lot of people that feel uncomfortable talking about it. But when you do make the switch, if you choose to, it really does validate your professionalism. And it really does, you know, help you to partner with your clients. They're hiring you. So there's much more invested in it. I love that. Yeah. And uh, the, the price point is is a touchy subject for a lot of people. And it's certainly subjective, as you said on that, because I mean, for listeners out there who are unaware that you could tra- uh, run into a travel advisor who charges maybe upwards up to $500, but you might run into someone, you know, if they just started out, maybe they're only charging 50 or even on the low end of like 25 or something like that. But it, it, it does fluctuate on that. So finding the right price point is certainly difficult. And I think that might lean towards like how the, the level of clients that you have and how much they usually spend and maybe starting out with just a cancellation fee is a pretty good approach to it. What do you think there? Well, I personally don't do cancellation fee just because I was okay. able to implement this professional fee. But I do think even if you start small, um, you're going to really realize how quickly the people that weren't going to work with you, even if you went through the entire quoting process with them without a fee, you'll realize quickly if somebody's not willing to pay $25, which is much less than even their haircut they would pay for, then they're not somebody that's going to be your ideal client. Um, there are a lot of agents, advisors, excuse me, out there that do have the cancellation fees in there as well um, or in lieu of. And that's just, you know, if they've done all this work and the client decides to cancel. But very importantly, that needs to be in terms and conditions so that the client, you know, knows that up front. Love that. And just to pivot to the consumer listener here out there, why do you think they should pay a fee? You've kind of touched on this a little bit. It's the value of an advisor. So you you make your pitch as an advisor to any consumer out there listening right now. Basically, it's just, the, I've spoken on the partnership, but really being interactive, um, having that on the phone conversation, a Zoom call to go over your travel documents, having visual proposals, having an app, having things that are just really you know, customized and curated things that you're not going to get just going to google.com as well as that, you know, the knowledge of, gosh, I don't know how many times I've been to Mexico where you're headed soon. You know, the, the level of expertise of whether it be the resorts, the staff at the resorts management teams, being able to curate a customized Scotland trip or, you know, charter yacht in Croatia, like things that just aren't the computer and the internet can't do for you. Right. You need that person, that human connection, 
for sure is 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 so valuable, especially in today's landscape of things. And what are your thoughts on? So it's not necessarily a fee. I mean, I guess it's the annual fee, but there there's kind of a bit of a rise on like the subscription aspect of of working with an advisor on that. What do you what do you think of of some of that trend that has taken up a little bit? I haven't yet to implement anything to that extent, but I do have a couple of clients that are return clients that I've spoken to about, you know, if you're going to be traveling multiple times in a year, we can easily just work out one fee for the year. And I think that's great too, because if you do have business clients um, that travel often, you know, just say even around the United the United States area, you know, for business, it's, um, it, I think that's a good concept as well. It's really just about partnering with your clients. Yeah, making that connection, and yeah, if you have someone that, like you said, travels a ton, then maybe it's something to to look into. It just kind of depends on your client base on that. So, on the, on the flip side of of fees, so that's you know advisors charging fees and the worth there and everything. We also have other fees that are associated with travel. And when I want to get your take here on like resort fees and all the types of fees that consumers face when traveling, you got fees for like I said resorts hotels, you know, parking fees just to get in there, added fees onto tickets. I'm looking at you, Ticketmaster. I know you are an absurd amount of fees and you love them, but uh, nothing I guess we can do on that on the consumer side. What are your thoughts on those types of fees? Again, nothing we can really do about it from our perspective, even as an advisor, as far as resort fees. Um, There's not a ton of destinations that do have these resort fees, but the certain ones that do, it is to me kind of getting a little bit silly just because you're saying Wi-Fi is included. Well, now nobody really needs that Wi-Fi aspect much anymore unless they're traveling for business, Um, the gym as a fee, you know, that part of that fee and then charging parking fees on top of it. It just really is, you know, clients want to travel and not have to worry about anything. They want to be able to put their wallet away while they're there and not have this huge bill when they check out um, in specific Vegas or Hawaii. You know, I do have certain resorts that I have found that I partner with that, you know, don't have resort fees or parking fees and that, you know, puts them one step ahead of the other bigger brands. But it just really, it is a frustrating thing for sure. Definitely. I'm not a huge fan of those side of the fees. Obviously no one really is, but I see a bit of a need for them in some aspects, but really a lot of it does lean to how greedy are you guys going to be on a lot of these things, especially you mentioned Wi-Fi and like my whole face just cringe because Wi-Fi is a basic human right in my opinion now. Like we don't, don't, don't charge a fee for Wi-Fi. Why? Why? People like you should just be absolutely ridiculed. I mean, any guest who ever sees that, just put put the, that place on blast. Put them on social media and just put them on blast, in my opinion, because I think a Wi-Fi fee is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, I get it a little bit on cruises because it's much more difficult than in a hotel, blah, blah, but still, I want my Wi-Fi. I'm, I'm going to be picky with that and I guess greedy in my own sense on that because I... You know, I live and work with the internet. You know, that's that's my my need, my and everything. But yeah, the whole parking fees are, are a little ridiculous. There's a couple. You know, you, before the show, we were talking about Vegas out there in Hawaii, or where you see most of these types of resort fees and and then parking fees. You got uh, Disney. Yeah, I'm looking at you there. So it's unfortunate, but uh, hopefully things will get a little bit better on some of that. Maybe if we get up past out of this inflation stuff and get back to not necessarily the 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 normal the, the pre-COVID times of because things are going to be a little bit different and now with inflation of everything too it's never going to be what it was before the pandemic but uh, you know I'm I'm people who've listened to this show you guys know I'm a hopeful guy I'm optimistic I try to keep see the positive side of things so I'm going to keep it you know happy here and that hopeful that things will get better right as I you know cry behind this mask of <laughs> No I'm I'm with you I think we're getting as close as we can be back to a a normal pre covid normal yeah, whatever this new normal is. I know a lot of people hate that phrase, but uh, 
it is what it is. So, all right, Katie, this has been great. I want to hear your final advice to our listeners on fees in the travel space. Anything you want to air out, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. I just, again, I don't want to feel like listeners as the, on the advisor side feel like you absolutely need to charge fees. But if you're even remotely thinking about it, just remember that your your time is worth it and your your expertise is worth it. And it's an extra way to, you know, partner with your clients, but also extra income to help, you know, you're not waiting a year from now to get paid on a booking you're working so hard on now, especially with groups, or, um, corporate, destination weddings, anything like that. You know, it really helps your time is worth it. You're worth it. And that's just really what I wanted to say at Future Leaders to all the younger advisors out there. Um, it's just that your your time is worth it and you're worth it. I'm going to start singing that. Give it to me. I'm worth it. I don't know. Right. No, but yes, you are absolutely worth it. Whoever you are listening to this right now, even if you're a consumer, you're worth everything that you do. So stay positive. Um, Katie, what is uh, your socials, your email that you, if you want to put that out there for people to get in touch with you, if they have questions on this whole fee side of things and you're willing to help maybe? Absolutely. I am absolutely a people helper. Like I'm always willing to help. So um, my Instagram is Lux Travel Katie, as well as on my Facebook, Lux Travel Katie, L-U-X Travel is one word. And then Katie, my email is Katie at classic travel connection.com. And again, if anyone has any questions or needs help with anything, I am always here. And that's Katie with an IE out there. I know there's a lot of Katie's out there that spell it. It's one of those names. It's like, how are you going to spell this? C-K-I-E-Y. What are you doing? You know? K-A-T-I-E. Yes, love it. Thank you, Katie. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to talk fees and all things travel here. I know you've got some clients you got to help out and book stuff on this. So thank you again for taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. And that does it for our show this week, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you're going to be at ALG Ascend Conference, I fly out tomorrow to Cancun. So I look forward to seeing folks later on this week if you're going to be there. And uh, stay tuned for some exciting shows coming up as well. So that's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>